You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Hey, welcome to Awaken Church. We're so glad you tuned in. I've got a great leader site message tonight. In fact, it's probably the worst title I've ever come up with. It's called Leadership Petership. Leadership Petership. I just, uh, I've just been enamored with the person of Peter, the Apostle Peter, formerly known as Simon, but now is Peter the Rock. And so I want to give you seven thoughts in just these few moments that we have together. These are powerhouse leadership thoughts because when Jesus ascended to heaven, he basically handed the keys over to Simon Peter. He said, Simon Peter, you're in charge. And even Peter felt disqualified. He's like, man, I just denied you three times. Just like you said before the rooster crowed, John never denied you. We all forsook you. He hung there with you. Surely John should earn the merit of having. But there was something inside of Peter that made Jesus say, hey, if I want John to remain till I return, what is that to you? You follow me. There was something inside of Peter that I want us to learn. There was something about about Peter that made him somebody that God could not only choose and use, but someone that God could elevate and that somebody that God could work through to change the world. I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody that God can work through to be a change agent in this world. And when we look at our world right now, they are desperate for hope. They are desperate for change. They are desperate for solutions. They are desperate for healing. They are desperate for the gospel. So come with me. The first one we're going to find is in Matthew 17, 24. And I'm going to give you these seven points. Number one, uh, what, what I like about Peter is he protected the team and his leaders. He protected the team and his leaders. If you want to be a great leader, you've got to be a great team player. If you want to be a great leader, you've got to become a great team player. In fact, I would even say that the, the, the buy-in to your leadership is directly correlated to the buy-in to the team. Somebody who's like, well, you know what, you can change out the team. I couldn't care less about the team. I'm all that in a bag of chips. They're not very kind people to follow because you will find that you following them and their gift, you're going to be an interchangeable part. There's something really beautiful about people that care about their team. God is looking for leaders that don't just have a great gift and a great preaching gift or a great ministry gift or, you know, a great motivational gift, but don't really care about the people to their left and to their right. So uh, have a look at this, Matthew 17, 24. When they came to Capernaum, Uh, Those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? And Peter answered, yes. Which is just brilliant. Does your teacher, Jesus, not pay the temple tax? Yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him and said, hey, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth Uh, exact uh, customs or taxes from their sons or from strangers? And Peter said, from strangers. Jesus said, the sons are free then. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go down to the sea, cast in a hook, take the fish, the first fish that comes up, when you've opened its mouth, you'll find in a piece of money, take that and give it to them for me and for you. So I love Peter. He doesn't really know whether Jesus pays the temple tax. (laughs) 
All he knows is that Jesus is a good man. All he knows is Jesus is a righteous man. And so far in all of Peter's observations, Jesus has not transgressed, committed any sin or violation or, or breached integrity or compromised in any area. So I like, I like Peter. Can I just tell you, there are going to be times where God will test you to see if he can elevate you. Testing always comes before promotion. Some of us, we look at the promotion, but we fail the testings of God. And one of those testings is, can you cover your team? Can you cover your leaders? Peter says, yes. And he doesn't really know yes. May I say this, that, uh, that we defend publicly, but we inquire privately. We, we, we defend publicly, but then we inquire privately. The Bible says that love covers, love covers. Love is always covering. Satan is the uncovered. Do you know his name before it was Satan was Lucifer? Lucifer means light bearer. The Bible says he was the light bearer in Isaiah 14. It says he was the anointed cherub who covers. But when he rebelled against God, he left his station. He left his, his DNA. He left his identity as light bearer, one who covers. And he goes to now being known as no longer a light bearer, but a prince of darkness. And he becomes Satan, which means accuser or uncoverer. This is what I found in many, many years. People always will bring a, a railing accusation. There's always maybe an element in there that could be true or whatever. Quite often I've found it's a perception or a misperception. And they may have an accusation against one of the leaders or one of the team or about this or about that. And I found that my job is to cover the person and then inquire privately. And then in, if in that private inquiry, there is a transgression, that's when we then go to that person directly. But if you would agree with every single accusation, you will find that the house cannot stand. What I love about Peter is that he immediately goes into defending his leader. He immediately goes into defending the team. I, I love the movie 300. And there's a scene in, in 300 where uh, King Leonidas is being followed up in the hills and, and they notice there's a guy up there and, and he, he's a, a man who's hunchback, he's deformed, but he was the son of a great Spartan warrior. But because of his defamation, he was meant to be just kind of left to die, but his father couldn't bring himself because he was an only son. And he wanted to fight in the army. He wanted to fight with the Spartans. And when he showed, when, when he showed King Leonidas the, the uniform passed down from his father, who was a great warrior, when he showed him the thrust of his sword, you know, Leonidas was, was so impressed. He says, my God, you got a great thrust. He says, I, I just want to kill the king's enemies. I, I just want to kill the king's enemies. I, I want to be part. I, I can fight. I can fight. And then King Leonidas looks at him and says, and sees the, the, uh, the hunched back. And he says, lift your shield, lift your, lift your shield, son. And he, goes, ah, ah, ah. and he couldn't lift his shield. And he says, oh, I'm so sorry. You can't fight with me because we don't just attack. We also move together as one. There are 300 of us and all of our shields fit together in what is known as a formation called a phalanx. And he says, your shield doesn't just protect you. Your shield protects the man on your left, the man on your right, and those directly behind you. And when one shield fails to engage, it makes the whole team vulnerable. 
you know, there are a lot of people, they've got a great thrust. They've got a great gift. They've got a great preaching gift. They've got a great anointing. They can sing, but they can't lift their shield to protect other people. Peter was able to be elevated because he was an incredible team player. Number two, number two, uh, number two, Peter grew his seed faith. Peter grew his seed faith. In Luke 17, verse five to six, the, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, increase our faith. Luke 17, five to six, increase our faith. And Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree. So watch this. They come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, increase our faith. Jesus responds, Luke 17, verse five and six, Jesus responds and says, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Now remember, Jesus says, the kingdom is like a mustard seed smaller than all the seeds, yet when it is sown, it becomes larger than all the herbs, grows into a, a giant tree, stretching out its branches into the, into the sky, and the birds of the air nest in its branches. And here Jesus, when the disciple says, Lord, increase our faith, he says, I tell you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, it may be tiny, it may be small right now. If I was honest with you, you can increase your faith. And the way that you increase your faith is by sowing your faith, is by sowing your faith. There are a lot of people I meet, they misunderstand our faith. They try to go from zero to hero in one fell swoop. Be before I could buy a million dollar property, I had to buy a hundred thousand dollar property. A lot of people say, well, you know, I'm just going to go big. I'm just going to throw the Hail Mary faith pass and just believe God for... Friend, kill, kill, kill your lions and bears before you take on your Goliaths. So if we, follow, if we follow Peter, Peter in Luke chapter 5, Jesus gets into his boat, asks him to, to launch out a little so he can teach from the sea because the, the, the voice would basically carry like a microphone, like an amplification that the water would amplify Jesus' voice. At the end of the teaching, Jesus says to Simon, Simon, now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. In other words, I'm paying you for this hour that I rented your boat. And Simon Peter looks at the carpenter's son and says, we have toiled all night, caught nothing. But watch this. He says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now Jesus said nets because Jesus was already there. But Peter, just from hearing the word, how does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Peter said, I'm not at net's faith yet. I'm just at net faith. The Bible says when Peter threw the net in, when he threw the net in, so many fish filled the net that the net became overwhelmed so that it began to break. Fish are hemorrhaging out of the break. They had to signal their partners. They filled both the boats till they began to sink. And Peter fell down and says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Fast forward about six months later, Jesus said, let's cross over to the other side. The disciples get into the boat. They're crossing over and a giant windstorm arises and the waves begin to break into the boat so that the boat was filling. Luke says that they're in jeopardy, in danger of drowning. So they're all trying to bail water as waves are crashing over and they look and can you believe it? Jesus is asleep in the stern. So they wake him up. Teacher, do you not care? We're perishing here. 
pick up a bucket and help us bail. And Jesus gets up and says, peace, be still. And immediately there was a great calm and everyone was terrified, saying to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now fast forward about another 11 or 12 months. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He's gone up on the mountain, sends the disciples across the sea, and he comes walking on the sea. The disciples freak, it is a ghost, because when you see a human walking on water, it's probably not a human. And so, so they're freaking out, it is a ghost. And Jesus says, do not be afraid, it is I. The same Simon Peter that was there when Jesus says, launch out into the deep, throw down your nets for a catch. The same Simon Peter that saw Jesus say, peace, be still. And immediately the wind and the waves obey him, said, hang on. Lord, if it is you, then command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, he just sends out one word, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on water. Eleven disciples stayed in the boat because if you read the scripture, it says their disposition was fear. They were afraid and cried out, it is a ghost. But Peter went from afraid to inquired because he knew that, man, I've had these encounters with Jesus on the water. And you know the common denominator? His word. The first time I had, I had net faith. I didn't have nets faith and I failed. The next time I had, come on, Jesus, you got to bow. I forgot about the power of the word. Now Jesus is walking on the water. If Jesus says I can do something, I can do something. Did you see how Peter's faith grew? All of a sudden, Jesus says, come. He gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on water. Peter grew his faith. How did he grow his faith? He understood that Jesus says, you grow your faith. It begins, it might begin small as a little mustard seed, but every time you sow it out, every time you sow it out, every time you sow it out, it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows till you have mountain moving faith. When we came to San Diego, it was one church in four locations, man. And that was, I would have been happy for one church in one location. It was a stretch of faith. Now that is so yesterday. That is so five years ago. Now we're in the place where it's one church, 16 locations. And then, you know, Salt Lake City thrown in and getting a vision for multiple locations there. And, and all of a sudden there's increase. Why? Because God will take you through little battles. Don't don't fear the little battles. Go to the Word of God. The Word of God will grow your faith. Can somebody say amen? amen. Number three. Number three. I, I like this one. This one's very powerful. Peter learned grace versus human effort. Peter learned grace versus human effort. In Luke 22, 33 to 34. Luke 22, 33 to 34. Jesus is telling the disciples he's about to be betrayed. He's, you know, all of you are going to be scattered. Each one's going to go to your own home. You're going to leave me all alone, but I'm not alone. My father is with me. And then Peter says, hey, 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 Jesus. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Settle down there, boy. He says, Jesus, let me just say this. Even if all these other plebs, even if all them forsake you, not me, I'm Peter the rock. Remember the rock, that's me. He goes, I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus goes, really? Simon, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. Peter was incensed. He, he says, man, even if these other plebs, these other half committed disciples, they ain't, they ain't the Peter the rock that you're looking at right here. They ain't as devoted. They ain't as passionate. They ain't as, and yet we know the story. 
before the rooster crowed twice, Peter had denied Jesus three times. In fact, it's so powerful, the scripture says, and when the rooster crowed, Jesus was at the end of the courtyard and Peter was at the beginning of the courtyard. And the Bible says, and Jesus turned and looked directly at Peter and Peter went out and wept bitterly. It was a powerful lesson for Simon Peter to learn that human effort can only get you so far. Human effort can only get you so far. The Bible says to him who is able to keep you from falling. Nowhere in the Bible does it say be strong in yourself. The Bible says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I found that, that if, if, if I'm going to be strong in my flesh, my flesh will always let me down. I can't pick myself up from my bootstraps. I can't elevate myself. I can't. I need his grace. I need his empowering. I need his divine enabling. That's what grace means. I need him to undergird me. I need him. If you lean on your own understanding, it always leads to mess. If you come to a place where you don't lean on your own understanding, but you lean into God, you draw from the strength of God. How do you not burn out, pastor? You draw from the strength of God. You walk in the rhythms of God. You walk in the anointings of God. You, you, you allow God's power and God's strength to flow through you. That's why the Bible says, you know, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait in Jerusalem till you're filled with power. They were pumped. They saw him crucified and now risen from the dead. Are you kidding? They're ready to go and tell the whole world. Jesus is like, listen, even though you're zealous, zeal will run out. It is a fuel that will run out. But I want you to wait in Jerusalem till you receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, because what I'm going to give you is something that boot, boot, keeps recharging. Every time you pray in tongues, when you pray in tongues, it's, 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 it's a key. It's a plug in to heaven. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling powerless, guess what? You need to plug into the Holy Ghost. You need to plug in to the power source of the kingdom of heaven and recharge and reboot and refill and restore what is depleted on the inside of you. You know, I thought this is a leader site message. You're meant to be teaching leadership principles we can take out in a Marketplace. I'm telling you, if you want power in the marketplace, speaking in tongues is essential. It is. It, there's a reason Jesus says, wait till you get this gift. There's power in this gift. Speaking in tongues is one of the most powerful things you can do. All right, number four, I realize time is running out. Number four, preach on your weaknesses. Minister out of your weaknesses or if we were to give it one, one word, transparency. Transparency. Just a few verses later, Luke 22, 31 to 34, Jesus says this. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you so that when you, uh, so that your strength would not fail. I've prayed for you that your strength would not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. So this is the same Simon who says, man, I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die. And Jesus says, not only are you going to fail, he says, but I've prayed for you that even though you fail, I pray that your strength won't. And what is the strength when you've turned back? How many people know that though the righteous fall seven times, seven times he rises again? It doesn't say the righteous never falls. It says, though the righteous fall seven times, seven times he rises again. 
I've found that the greatest thing you can do is when you fall, when you fail, when you misstep, when you, that the greatest thing, rather than come with your tail between your legs, full of shame, full of guilt, full of condemnation, understand that Jesus knew before Peter failed him that he was going to fail. And he says, when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. In other words, what looks to you like a fail, what looks to you like, oh man, I dropped the ball there. Man, I can't believe I made that dumb choice, that dumb decision, let those people down. Jesus says, now use that as a learning curve to strengthen other people. You know, in in this church, we continually over the years have been told, hey, you know, you shouldn't be so transparent. You shouldn't be so transparent. In fact, I had people, other ministers counsel me saying, hey, you're way too transparent. There's way too, if they see your humanity, they won't expect your divinity. Even with all the racial tension that's going on, there's been pressure on us. Hey, why don't you do this to silence those critics? Why don't you, you know, kind of uh, create on the stage this whole, and I'm like, and where does that road end? I'm going to start faking it till I make it. Promotion doesn't come from Jürgen and Leanne. Promotion comes not from the east nor the west, but from the Lord. God is elevating. And God forbid that I should transgress or violate the Spirit of God who's building the church. He is the architect of the church. Jesus is the builder of the church. And He's dealing with hearts and dealing with character and dealing with issues. And our desire is to elevate. Our desire is to develop. Our desire is to empower. We don't look, we're not that shallow and that stupid that we look at ethnicity or skin color or race or creed or anything like that. We look at fruit. We look at heart. We look at strength. We look at capability. And there is a time and a season. And you will find that God elevates. But God, God forbid that we should be that, that those people that, that, that start bowing down to the voices of men, the criticisms of men, and want to shut those things down. No, no, we, we are here to build the kingdom of God. Does that mean that we do everything perfect? Absolutely not. In fact, I have found that some of the greatest amens and some of the best preaching is when Leanne and I share on our biggest flops and our biggest failures and fins kicked out of my surfboard and me thinking it was a brilliant idea to buy her a thigh blaster for her 18th birthday. She'll love this. It's practical and it comes in a big box. What's not to love? And uh, there was no love for me for about 10 days. And uh, But I've just found that transparency, let's be honest, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, let, 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 me, let me just go one step deeper on that. Let me go one step deeper on that. One, one of the great, I think one of the great keys, one of the great attributes of, of a Christian is what I would call uh, inward reflection, inward reflection. But can I just say to you, be very, very careful whose voice you take to inward reflection. There are always going to be nasty people. There are always going to be people who are not for you, who are going to say nasty things about you. And if you take that word in, if you take that word in, you know what the Bible says in, I think it's Proverbs 27, 7, or it might be, actually, I think it might be Proverbs 20, 27. It says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the inner rooms of his heart. Whenever people accuse me or Leanne or you're just a prosperity church or you're a racist or, you know, you don't care about the poor and, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, I never take them with me because they said it on a, on a, 
an incorrect platform. We have people around about us that have 100% carte blanche to speak into our lives, to check on issues. But you know who is the only person I can trust in the inner rooms of my heart is the Lord. And the Bible says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Searching the, David said this, he says, Lord, search me and try me and see if there's any wicked way within me. Be careful who you take into the inner reflections of your heart. Nobody loves you like God. Nobody is as gracious and as kind as God, but nobody is as brilliant as God to be able to separate darkness from light, truth from error. And I've got to tell you, there's been many, many times I've gone with the Lord and allowed him to, to light his lamp into the, 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 the inner rooms of my heart. And he said, man, have you seen that? And I'm like, oh, shoot, I hid that from you, hoping I could get away with that. Don't, I'll deal with it immediately. And it's amazing. But be very, very careful. Don't take nasty people. Don't take accusers. Don't take the devil into the inner room. If, if there was one thing that, uh, that my, my beautiful Leanne had to learn over the years is she would sometimes take Lucifer's hand and allow him thinking that, well, he's really, really critical. He'll really help me, but you'll be overwhelmed. You'll be depressed. You'll never, he's not the person. The Bible says that Satan entered Judas's heart and within three days, Judas was hanging from a tree. Let me say that again. The Bible says that Satan entered Judas's heart and within three days, Judas was hanging from a tree. Be careful who you take into your heart. Number five, I know I'm out of time. Number five, live beyond offense. Live above and beyond offense. In John 6, 66. Interesting. Is there a little correlation here? John 6, 66. Jesus had just basically said, unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. And the Bible says that on that day, many turned and stopped following Jesus. Jesus turns around in, 60, in 67 and says to the guys, do you want to leave as well? And verse 68, watch what Peter does. Peter says, where else do we go? Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Like Peter's like, yeah, you know what, man, eat your flesh, drink your blood. Like you realize in Leviticus, cannibalism is, hello, against the laws of God, gross. People were offended at Jesus' saying. And yet Jesus says, do you guys want to leave as well? Gives the disciples an opportunity. Hey, I'm checking out. I'm out of here. But Peter says, where else do we go? This may be offensive, but where else do we go? Because when I look at my life from where I was, I was Simon, now I'm Peter. When I look at my life, you alone have the words of eternal life. Did you know that truth, before it liberates, must first penetrate? Truth penetrates before it liberates. When it penetrates, it's delicate. In my Bible reading today, Jesus is restoring Simon Peter. And he says to Simon Peter, uh, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And then he says, Simon Peter, do you love me? A second time, Simon Peter says, absolutely. He says, tend my sheep. The Bible says, and Jesus asks him a third time, Simon Peter, do you love me? And the Bible says that Peter was grieved that Jesus asked him a third time. Peter denied Jesus three times. Performance is, yeah, I love you. I can, I can feed the lambs. Yeah, I love you. I can tend the sheep. But watch what Jesus does. He keeps digging until he hits the wound. 
do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time. The word of God has to touch what is delicate, tender, and wounded on the inside of you before he can bring healing. We know that the gospel is the answer. But I tell you what we refuse to do is preach a surface gospel that never touches what's tender, never touches what's wounded, never touches what's broken, never touches what can grieve. Because until you get to that moment, how can healing follow? How can restoration follow? It was after that that Jesus then restores Simon Peter because Jesus was able to go into what was delicate. You know what? There, there are other churches in San Diego and we, we are not trying to keep people or force people to stay here. But this, this is what you will find here. There is a teaching that, that will produce life. Here there is a teaching that will bring breakthrough. Here there is a teaching. So I don't want you to stay because of personality. I don't want you to stay because of lights and screens and opportunities and whatever. There are plenty of, of those things around. If your life isn't flourishing, if, if you don't find here the words of eternal life, if the fruit of your life is not getting better, leave. And I'll come with you. T tell me where there's churches preaching words where your life gets better. But Peter says, hey, I ain't le leaving. Even though there are times what you say can offend me, I know that when I look at my life, the growth, the fruit, the development, the increase, the progress, man, I'm going to stay here. Even though there are going to be times where, ow, I reckon that you and I want to go to a church where there's some out moments. You and I want to be, belong to a house where there's some, oh, man, whoa, I'm kicked by the pastor. I want to meet him in the parking lot. There are moments like that. Because until we touch what's tender, how can God bring healing? All right, I know I'm out of time. Number six, passion. Passion. In John 18, verse 10, Jesus is about to be arrested in the garden. The Bible says Peter rips out a sword and hacks off Malchus, the high priest, Caiaphas, high priest, servant's ear. Just bam, just bam, the guy's ear comes off. Jesus, stop, picks up the guy's ear, sticks it on. Oh, hang on, it's upside down, flips it, you know, and... uh and says, Simon, put your sword away. Now, people would say, man, see, you can't put Peter in leadership. The guy's reckless. He's local. He's crazy. Keep the swords and sharp instruments away from Peter. But you know, I reckon Jesus that night, he, was, he, he spent the night in a prison cell. He's in that prison cell going, it was completely wrong what he did, but I like that guy. I like He's a fighter. He's passionate. The other disciples just, but Peter, can I tell you, don't lose your passion. Come on, we can't lose our passion. There's a world at war. There's a world in chaos. There's a world in pain. There's a world in strife. There is a devil trying to destroy our generation. And what are we going to do? Are we going to be passive? Or are we going to be like Peter? Are we going to step up and be passionate? I'd rather lead a bunch of passionate, sword-wielding rebels. Come on, somebody. Let's be passionate people. I know I've got to land. I know I've got to land. It's number seven. Oh, I'm getting that look. All right, the last one, the last one. What I like about Simon Peter is he hears and he sees. He hears and he sees. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? He says, well, some, they say, some say, you, you know, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He says, who do you say that I am? They said, oh, Simon Peter says, you're, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. 
It says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this, but my Father in heaven. See, Peter heard from God and saw clearly. Can I tell you, you see the world out of the condition of your, your soul. You see the world through the lens of your soul. The disciples saw Jesus as Jeremiah, I, you know, uh, Elijah, one of the prophets, John the Baptist risen from the dead. They saw him according to popular opinion. Jesus saw, the, uh, Peter saw Jesus as the son of the living God. And Jesus says, oh, ho, 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 you know how to hear from God. You know how to hear from God. Can I tell you, above opinions, above popular opinions, above status quo, above what everyone else say, walk with what God shows you. Walk with the spirit of God. Let God. See, yesterday I was teaching uh, our men's prayer, Amos 3.7. Amos 3.7 says this. It says, surely the Lord God does nothing until he first reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Or in the Hebrew, it can also be translated, surely the Lord God does nothing until he reveals his secrets to his servants who prophesy. If you will speak what you hear, your eyes will see what you spoke. If you will speak what you hear, your eyes will see what you spoke. If you on a Sunday come into this faith house, faith, hope, and love, you'll catch words that if you will speak those words, your life, in your life, you'll begin to see what you spoke because you spoke what you heard. Amen. Amen. Listen, I know there are people watching today and you need to give your life to Jesus. Go to www.awakenchurch.com forward slash Jesus. Do that today. A brand new life, a brand new future starts for you today at Awaken Church at an encounter with Jesus Christ being born again. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. Lord, stretch out your hand, elevate us. Lord God, we've just learned incredible lessons of leadership from Petership from Simon Peter. So bless these beautiful people today. Let us take these things into our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. 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 God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.